0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to
1: emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Feelin' Film Racing Podcast. That's right. This week, we're just going to stick with the car theme and literally roll right along into another one of our automotive favorites and this one actually has racing unlike the fast and furious franchise which has you know as everyone knows kind of jumped the shark when it comes to racing i'm one of your hosts aaron and with me to rub our way to greatness is my best friend and co-host patch shake and bike
0: wait that's not the right movie that we're doing we're not doing that one we can't do i was thinking shake and bake for something else we're not doing that movie
1: i don't even know what shake and bake is in reference to
0: Oh my goodness. It's from Talladega Nights. Oh, the, the, the legend of Rick and Bobby.
1: Yeah. The spoof basically of this one, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've never exactly. seen it.
1: I've never, I've never seen it. I, I'm not a huge comedy I, guy. Yeah. 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 But it does have,
0: and now I can't remember the, the actor's name, not Will Ferrell, but his partner in crime in that movie. He's also right. in this movie too. I yeah. Can't remember. Anyway, yeah. but yes, yes, I'm excited to talk about Days of Thunder which is what we're actually going to be talking about.
1: That's right. Some might say this classic NASCAR film directed by Tony Scott and starring Tom Cruise is literally just Top Gun in a race car. And honestly, it's kind of hard to argue with that. So to the starting line we go. We're doing things a little bit different now. We haven't really settled on any specific format changes, but we'll let you know when that happens. But for today, we're not going to have a one more takeaway and we're probably not going to have a connecting point. So this is your spoiler warning that we are going to spoil the heck out of the ending and everything that happens within Days of Thunder. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out and then come back and listen. All right. Well, first things first, Patrick, we wanted to do something a little fun to kind of get ourselves going and into this conversation. And so I thought that this would be a great way for us to do that to tell the listeners a little bit about ourselves in context of how we feel when we watched this movie. If you were a NASCAR driver, or if you were, let's say, a NASCAR team owner of some kind, who would you want to sponsor your car? And I ask this in the context of not necessarily like who would you want to sponsor your car because they're going to get you the most amount of ad revenue or anything, but like what sponsors would define the car of Patrick? Like like if people looked at it and saw these brands, they'd be like, that's him.
0: Oh yeah. Well it would be one of three. Uh third place is Bazooka Joe. I love the gum growing up and I love the colors of the brand and I would definitely roll in a race car with those colors, Bazooka Joe. The the ever popular and comfortable footwear Crocs. I would definitely want to be sponsored by Crocs. But one that completely tops the charge is of course Funko Pop. I would love to be sponsored by Funko Pop.
1: That's a great one. I you know I could have probably thrown that one on my list too, but my list got really <laughs> out of hand really quick. Of course um, it did. Lists would always <laughs> get out of hand. Let's pick three. He's like
0: three hundred. Did you say three hundred?
1: Yeah, I can do One, that. It's two, totally Three, five. four, five, six. <laughs> I think I have a multiple of three. A multiple of three. I think. You have, you have your top three. Times three? Yeah. Three cubed, maybe. Three no. Cubes. Um. <laughs> no, I guess that'd be three squared, right? Anyway. No, it's three cubed is it's
0: three
1: by three. Well, I yeah. like yours. I like that they're very much definitely specific to yourself like no one else yeah. is picking bazooka gum i don't think especially because <laughs> it's, not, it's a baseball thing and yeah it's, <laughs> and doing. it's not
0: it's, it's not a very tasteful gum. Like, i don't like the taste of it i never liked the taste if i had to pick a taste of gum it would be bubble yum or bigly chew but i just love the branding of bazooka joe so that really kind of plays to my designer in me that yeah. i just i want to look kind of fun in the race car
1: and so bazooka joe is definitely mine Well, I like those. I think that would make for a really cool race car. For me, I think my first one has to be PlayStation. I need something gaming related, and I think having Sony sponsor my car would be the way to go. Bang energy drinks. I could go with Monster here, but I'm actually (laughs) drinking a bang at this exact moment. So I'm going to go with the one that's right here next to me. I have way too many energy drinks probably, especially for a guy who caffeine literally doesn't affect me from a, yeah. like it doesn't wake me up, I, but I still drink them, I guess for the taste, weird, psychological. Anyway, it's like I beer, think beer, right. It's an acquired
0: taste. Of I beer. guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. kind of. I've
0: tried energy drinks. I do not like them at all.
1: That's so funny. Whereas like for me, obviously beer is like, and there's no way. And you, you're just fine with a good beer. It's a good brew. So maybe Corona could be my fourth sponsor. <laughs> I, yeah, there you go. Then you, then you can have Dom help working your Dom would be proud.
0: Yeah. Dom would definitely work my. Just don't
1: have Jacob because you never know what's going to happen to your car if you have Jacob back there. Anyway, spoilers. Whoops. Uh, I'm going to go with Google. I think I would like to have Google on my car somewhere as well. I use all Google products at the moment. I was trying to figure out some food items. And so I went with Johnsonville for Johnsonville brats. Now I don't eat them free like all the time, but it is something I absolutely love. And I just felt like they were the only brand when it came to meat i wanted to get some meat in there cuz i'm keto i eat a lot of meat and that seemed like a good fit for something that would be on, especially on a nascar it just feels like i was like, going to
0: say yeah yeah nascar you got to have some kind of southern brand right. on on your car so if not the sponsor itself then definitely a sticker somewhere yes on for your, sure of a sausage of a broad. of a sausage cuz you're a hot dog on the on the track yep. there you are and then and you're going, like energy drink.
1: I gotta go with some of my big, you know, typical, like, loved commercial stuff as well. So I'm gonna have Starbucks on my car. That's a must. I uh, gotta have something related to coffee. I'm gonna have Amazon on my car because I'm a shill and I buy everything from Amazon. And yes, I know I'm killing small businesses. Get off me. Uh, I'm also gonna have YouTube TV on my car. I've been a YouTube TV subscriber and user for many years. I love this service and I think that it would be good to have some sort of television coverage. And then I'm also going to throw on my car something from the YMCA for a little bit of social impact, uh, community impact, to kind of show that side of me. And also because I obviously, for those that know, I'm an employee of the YMCA. So I thought that would be pretty fitting. So those are mine. Listeners, we would love to know what your car would look like, so if you are in the Facebook group or if you follow us on one of our social media feeds, feel free to come to this episode post after you listen and tell us what your sponsorships would be. It can be three, it can be nine, it can be one. Whatever defines you on your NASCAR. And yes, we know that (laughs) most of... Sonic there you go Patrick you should have Sonic can we add Sonic we're adding Sonic that, to your that, car I'm adding a Sonic in this.
0: I yeah. forgot about my, my favorite drink stop
1: there we driving go. a tea at 200 miles an hour <laughs> or drinking a tea at 200 miles an hour I would do it that'd be dangerous
0: but I would do it
1: well I, I wanted to move into something that I guess before we actually start talking about the movie properly just keep kind of being funny is this really like Top Gun or is that an unfair comparison because these two movies get compared liked all the time. I mean, both Tony Scott, both Tom Cruise. I wanted to see what you thought about what similarities are there. And then why do you think the overall kind of formula of Top Gun and Days of Thunder, whatever is there that's the same, maybe works? I think that these are basically the same movie. I'm in that camp. And I would say... It starts right off the bat. there is a moment when we first see Tom Cruise in this movie. I actually remember watching it this most recent time for the podcast and I my jaw dropped because i I guess I never was not looking for this before. He literally drives up to the racetrack on a motorcycle just like he's driving up to top gun on his motorcycle across the beach right and then you know with a runway and the planes taking off it's very much. A scene that looks just like that, only transposed into the NASCAR world. And the way that his character, Cole Trickle, kind of goes through this whole idea of like being the best, but not wanting to do things the right way. But he has the talent, but he doesn't necessarily follow the rules. And he's got that chip on his shoulder because he's got something he wants to prove, which I think is... Interesting to me because I think that that's synonymous, really, with the person of Tom Cruise in a lot of ways. Because he's this small guy, he comes in and he's just—that's how he seems to approach his whole career. Was like, I'm going to outwork everybody, um, but he knows he has the talent. He has that like—it's not a humbleness about him; it's a an ego. He has an ego about him, right? He's very prideful in a sense. And so just like in Top Gun, he goes through extreme problems, um, injuries are encountered in his world, and of course he's going to come out on top. And there's just – and he has that mentor, that old kind of crusty old mentor that's there to help him and kind of guide him through. So for me, I really do think that they are cut from the same cloth, and I think that that formula works for me. And You could probably put Tom Cruise in – a wave runner and make this movie about water sports and i'd probably love that one too but i want to know what you thought well i would agree for the most part and i think that
0: what tony scott does is he hits on the things that you just mentioned as being very cool about tom cruise as an actor and just like when you look at like a nick cage or keanu reeves you're going to put these actors in roles where the things that they are loved buy are the things that you want to see on the big screen. And when we saw Top Gun, we saw all those things that you saw from Tom Cruise. The story itself has those basic bullet points. He's coming in sort of as an underdog, cocky, got some daddy issues, has a crew or needs a team of people to kind of help him rise above the challenge. But in the end, it's about him and his story and either winning the race or getting a mig or something like that i will say this there's a lot less sweating in days of thunder than there is in top gun maybe it's because they're not on a carrier and it's really really hot but i was grateful for that but at the same time Aaron, i think that there's also something to be said about the setting you know i don't i don't follow nascar i never have i kind of am in the same camp as a lot of people who think you know who wants to watch a bunch of guys running around in circles? with big engines. Um but the the fact is it is a hugely popular sport around the world. Like it's right up there with 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 soccer in terms of just being well known, having tons of fans, and there is a really really cool culture that exists in the world of NASCAR. Uh we joked about how it's really a, a you know it's a southern sport first and foremost, but you obviously have all these different raceways around the country. And I think what Top Gun did for the Navy, Days of Thunder sort of attempted to do for NASCAR, which is bring a sense of recognition, bring a sense of awareness to this world that wasn't necessarily about the realness, but was about the fun and about the idea of what it means to be a NASCAR driver. Because even the most famous scene, Rubbin's racing, any NASCAR driver will tell you, no, Rubbin is not racing. That is stupid is what that is, because you do not want to wreck your car. But in a lot of ways, we are a lot like Cole Trickle in that we're picking stuff up on ESPN. We are kind of clueless when it comes to how to actually drive a car. And so we're learning alongside him. And the strengths of Tom Cruise's character in Top Gun echo that in Days of Thunder, especially with his relationship with Harry. I mean, this is almost a parallel with Maverick's relationship with Goose to an extent. Obviously not father-son necessarily, but this sense of needing someone else that's going to stabilize him. And to me, that's the biggest win for me about Days of Thunder is that relationship. I think at the heart of it, I need those two guys to carry the movie because that's what the film's about. It's not about him winning Daytona. It's not about him getting the sponsorship. It's not even about him and Rowdy, although that's a great through line. In the end, it's about him and Harry. And that's always what I come back for when I do my rewatches.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Spot on for me, too, that the movie revolves around he and Harry and that that's the relationship that matters the most. And I love that, actually. I love that, unlike, I guess, Top Gun in a sense, the romance seems to be more important in that film than it does in Days of Thunder. I think it really takes a back seat here. And I was pleasantly surprised by that because i think it's much more about cole's relationship with harry and even cole's relationship with rowdy more so than it is about his relationship with nicole kidman's character whose name i'm not dr lewicky i think (laughs) dr lewicky right dr lewicky yes claire 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 yes and i mean i think that she serves a really solid purpose in his life honestly because she has this one or two great monologues that stand out and i think other than that you know i, I don't know i i feel like she helps move him along into a maturity that he needs to experience she you know she talks to him about how he's selfish and how he's crazy and he's scared and she's the one that calls out she says you and Rowdy both have a sickness and it's called denial and she is able to get through to him in a way that I don't think most people would be able to and and that that's very common because when we're smitten with someone in reality we tend to listen to that person more and so I like that aspect of her interaction with him But I love that the film doesn't dwell on their romance as a central plot point. I guess that's how I should describe it. Well, that's a great way to describe it.
0: And you're right. She does add value to the relationships that he has because everybody in his life is a race guy. It's a race person. And what she does is she gives him perspective on what it's like to not be a race car driver or not work in NASCAR. And you need that. As a character to be able to stabilize you. I think that's what she does is she stabilizes and gives him perspective in a way that allows him to be realistic about coming back eventually about being in a position to potentially win. I love that she doesn't necessarily love him because he's a race car driver. She loves him in spite of the fact that he's a race car driver, but she respects what he does. And As funny as they look together because of his height and her height, it's it's great to see that chemistry on screen. I mean, they there's a reason why they dated and why they got married. Did they get married? I know they were together for a long time. Oh, they
1: were married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they have fantastic chemistry on screen, not just with this. I mean, you have Far and Away and um, a couple others. But I love just watching how she puts him in his place. And I love that she's a doctor. I love that her character is one that is a, is coming from a place of expertise, how he needs her from a doctor perspective in order to at the very least give him clearance to race again. So his relationship with her is beyond smitten. It's about, you know what? I have got to make sure that I'm actually mentally fit, physically fit. And she puts him in a place where he has to get her buy-off professionally and, and personally and i think that that's part of what gets him back out on the track not her solely but i think she adds an element of confidence that he lacks because of the fact that all he knows is racing and she gives him that outside humanity sense of perspective that i think completes his his character rounds out his character
1: yeah definitely agree with that and you know as i mentioned he has that chip on his shoulder like basically from the time he shows up we learned that he was an open wheel racing driver which it's interesting to me how little information they give you in days of thunder about the world of racing in a sense like it it doesn't hold your hand i mean they definitely go over some of the nuances about the sport but when they use terms like open wheel racing do you know what that is for example I
0: don't. I would assume it's something more like indie cars because they mention indie cars, like okay. outside. Okay, it is Indy cars beyond beyond a tri- like out on the open road, much like uh, Le Mans and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's open wheel, meaning you're you're not covered, like you're not you'll oh, have okay. a, a, a thing over your head like to roll, okay? Right. So an indie car, you you don't have that. You're just sitting in the cockpit, and there's air, and so the wheel is open, and so there and then the, i think it also it may also have something to do with the wheels themselves but um cuz they're not like condensed into the car right they're they're further out but right anywho uh that being said the so maybe i just made that up <laughs> maybe that's my Somebody's gonna call me on it, so I'm just gonna say it right now. You're the F1 guy. I was assuming you knew what you knew what you were talking about. So I'm like, okay,
0: I'm gonna trust Uh, Aaron on this.
1: I know. Well, I was gonna go with it, and then I was like, "Mm, I really don't know this. This is one of those things where I'm saying it, but I probably (laughs) I could be wrong. So anywho, like I love that it doesn't stop to explain every little detail about it. it. You get enough to understand the story. You understand he came from some other racing type. He really wants to be in the Indy 500. So he's a really good racer, but he's never been in a NASCAR, a stock car. And I loved being an F1 guy now. I love something he says about this when he first shows up and meets Harry. He mentions that he loves the fact that the cars are the same, essentially. And so if he's better than the other guy, he can win. And that's not the case in the F1 world. And so in the indie world, I'm guessing it's kind of similar. A lot, you know, they're just now starting to get into the point where regulations can help to mitigate some of this, but you have more money, you're able to create, you know, have more R&D to make a better car, and then if your drivers are of equal talent, the car is going to be the difference maker, not the driver. And I think Cole is alluding to the fact that he wants to be in a situation where his talent can be the thing that allows him to succeed or fail and of course we get to see that with his cool slingshot maneuver and then his fake out of his cool slingshot maneuver later um, his psychological warfare on the track which is the only way you can even potentially make nascar interesting frankly Uh, (laughs) this is this is not a sport i enjoy watching which is a testament to this movie frankly is that it makes it there's not enough racing that it makes you realize how boring and repetitive it is it, right. it focuses on just the exciting laps <laughs> thankfully because what you don't realize is there's dozens and dozens and dozens of these <laughs> nothing happens they just get yeah. going
0: well so here's here's what i think tony scott does well is he doubles down on that idea that you are racing against another driver and not another car because all nascar cars are meant to run equal of course, that sets up a great rivalry with Rowdy Burns, and then eventually with Russ Wheeler. And it also allows us to see a great montage of crashes, because that's what you're, you know, that that's that's what's exciting about NASCAR to the to the common person is, did anybody crash? It's kind of like when you go to a hockey game, like, did anybody get into a fight? Because someone who doesn't appreciate hockey is gonna go for the thing that is the most exciting just on the surface, instead of looking at the nuance of skating and things like that. That's why people give soccer a hard time who we don't understand it, myself included, up until recently, because I'm like, nobody ever scores. Well, there's nuance to those things. And to film that, I think is very difficult because you're exactly right, Aaron. Who wants to watch car go around the track and pass a car on lap 85 and then get lapped or get passed on lap 92? I mean, what's exciting about that? Nothing, unless you're really experiencing the sport as as a fan unless you're on the track or in the infield like at horse racing or you're in the stands and you're feeling that wind from all the cars and getting the noise and all that kind of stuff the excitement of being there and this is for me just speculating i've never been there but from what i've heard about other people the excitement from being there is what allows you to love the race otherwise the race is on tv on sunday afternoon while you're taking a nap and it becomes the white noise that you need my buddy dave who uh, loved NASCAR, that's what he loved about watching it. He didn't. He would sit on his couch after church, there would be a race on, and he would fall asleep on the couch listening to it, and then he would wake up in time to see who the winner was. But Tony Scott, what he does is he isolates the things that are ben- are important to the movie, which is racing against other drivers. That's why you have these fantastic shots in the cockpit. Or You said cockpit from, from the F1. <laughs> inside the the car that's why you get those close-up shots of you know rowdy rubbing cole or cole doing the same thing to rowdy or eventually the the passing on the inside and the outside with russ wheeler you also get from a visual perspective all those great advertisers this beautiful color of advertisers you get little hints of actually being in an actual race you get some of the real drivers who are interviewed at that uh, last daytona five hundred talking about coal. And you can tell, you can tell which ones are actual race car drivers with by the way they talk, compared to Carrie Ells, who feels like a character created for the movie being interviewed. And I love that Tony Scott takes advantage of those things because he understands that for him this movie is going to be about the people driving. It's not going to be about the cars. And so he's probably asking himself, okay, what can we do in this film to really isolate and elevate these moments? Okay, well, we need some close-up shots. We need, like, perspective shots in the car. We need lots of dialogue between Cole and Harry and the crew to kind of get that sense of what kind of conversations go on. And they're like, oh, I love the montage when – Cole was, <laughs> was Well, no, yeah, of course I love a montage. It didn't happen in high school though, so that's you know that was a it was a minus one for me there. But no, it's it's when you had this this montage of of Cole destroying his city Chevrolet car and that last race when he says I got a pit and Harry goes sorry we're over here eating ice cream and he goes ice cream and he turns back and you see this zoomed perspective of Cole looking back and his, the whole crew is just chowing down these great uh ice cream sandwiches or whatever and it's just stuff like that Aaron that I think adds a level of entertainment because we don't know what happens during a pit stop we don't know what hap, you know what kind of dialogue is happening between a driver and his pit crew and over the course of the film those are the things that those are the things that Tony Scott really wants to to give us and I think that's what makes this movie interesting in taking place around NASCAR is that those are the things that people care about who are watching this movie. They don't really care about the outcome of a race or even the race itself. Although we want Cole to win and we like how he wins. But the fact is, I think we're more concerned about those relationships. And so he really takes advantage of those things like Harry's relationship with Cole and hearing them dialogue back and forth throughout the, throughout the film struggling and then eventually overcoming. And
1: it's just great. So speaking of his relationship with Harry, do you feel like it's a satisfying ending to where they would they get to? Because they start off and, you know, the movie, I guess what I'm saying is the movie's about Cole, but it's kind of like what we talk about often with watching Ex Machina, where you could almost watch this and it could be about Harry. And Harry's story. And Cole is simply a cog in Harry's, you know, heroic comeback because he's recovering from this tragedy that he went through as well. And I think it's why their relationship is why one of my absolute favorite scenes is them in the garage. You know, it's more so than the scenes with Cole and Claire. They're they're cute, they're interesting, they're fun. There's an awesome one that reminds me of Armageddon where he's using sweet and low packets on her leg to teach her drafting, and I'm like, that's exactly like what Ben Affleck does to Liv Tyler with animal crackers. But uh, then there's you know moments with Rowdy that are also I think really good and, and interesting. But the the most emotional I think thing for me or whatever my connecting point would be Harry and Cole in the garage there at the end because. Cole has – when he says to him, just trust me, let me try it, <laughs> I won't make a fool out of you, and they have to come to this understanding, and I think that's where their relationship is is special because you have two men who both want to win, but want, they're concerned about – Harry's concerned about Cole. Like He wants to win, but he doesn't want Cole to die effectively is really what it boils down to, and he doesn't know if he wants to take that risk. And you eventually get him talking to the car. And it's just such a beautiful moment to me where he is asking the car to take care of Cole. Like, Mm -hmm. he literally says that. He says, I couldn't... He's liable to hurt you. You're liable to hurt him. And I couldn't handle that. So you've got to take care of him. You've got to take care of him. And that's just... It was a really special moment, like, where you realize that their relationship is more than just two guys working together and i think as fans of sports and not only is that good for drama in a film but i think that's because it appeals to our desire to see people in relationship and if we know that those people have a relationship it means more to us than if it's just a group of random players on a team that don't like each other right we're gonna root more for the guys we know who've bonded who've you know they've bled together they they've got each other's backs they talk each other up like those are the relationships that we are going to gravitate towards rooting for because that's what we would want somebody to feel for us if we were in that situation i think and so that's part of what makes me really love just the whole progression and it feels to me in the end when they're racing to the finish line which is the, one of the all-time I think best endings of a movie ever the final shots to be honest when he's like racing and they just take off it's just it's just beautiful but like that makes it almost as much a Harry's victory as it is Cole's it it's, he's he's succeeded and he's gotten that monkey off of his back and Cole has proven himself and and they've both achieved this better version of themselves now going forward no matter what happens regarding the sport yeah there's a
0: there's a mutual level of redemption i think for both of these characters and there's a need that they both have for one another i think harry needs to feel like cole's success not just winning races but success in the sport is tied directly back to the death of Buck Brotherton, which I think we don't get specifically, but I think he feels guilty about. In fact, it's kind of hinted at early on where he's trying to get influenced by um, by Cousin Eddie <laughs> to come back to the sport. And he tells them, hey, I guarantee you, if you come back, there won't be an investigation with NASCAR. And that scene that you're talking about, Aaron, where he's talking to the car, I think creates there's a visual representation of common ground. So if you look at Harry and you look at Cole, they have nothing in common. And it's what creates that fantastic tension. And one of my favorite scenes that I laugh out loud is after that montage of Cole destroying all the city Chevrolet cars, them sitting in the shop and they're being asked, look, you got to find some common ground. And... It's almost as if Harry has just said, Look, I can't he says, I can't talk to the SOB. I can't talk to the SOB. But the car allows Cole to talk to Harry by saying in that next scene, I don't know anything about cars. You know, I just faked it. And I think that's a great moment of humility that Cole has, because he's basically saying, Harry, I don't know everything. And Harry's like, Okay, now that I know that about you Now it's time for me to be able to coach you. I can coach you now because I know that you don't know everything. And then it leads to that series of scenes where he shows them the best way to drive using um, the right, using the tire analogy. And I think when you get to the end of that, the movie, when you get to that scene with the, with the car, the car isn't the thing. It's the thing that gets you to the thing. In other words, His conversation with the car is his way of saying, look, you've been the connecting point. You've been the piece of this puzzle that has allowed me to grow and care for this guy like a son. And I don't want anything to happen to him. You've got to take care of him. But of course, Harry knows that the car can only be driven by coal. Like the car is a machine. At the end of the day, we know that. It takes precision driving by coal and it takes having harry in his ear to make that car actually go because all cars are built to run equal and it's always about the driver not the car so i think there's some real irony and there's some real great analogous moments with that scene because of the fact that we know that that's the thing that brought them together and that's going to be the thing that helps keep them together i'd like to imagine that after this cole sticks with daytona racing or nascar racing and he and harry continue to win and lose sponsorships because he still races like a crazy person and maybe they will get a Starbucks car or a Funko Pop sponsor or something like that but I believe that Harry's days as a as a race car uh what do you call it coach I guess are probably you know a few years maybe they win a few more races but this is the thing I think that propels Cole into being a great NASCAR driver even if he doesn't have Harry He'll have that maturity to get from NASCAR and then maybe eventually to F1, to Indy, or whatever he wants to do. But he'll have a different kind of mentality going into it, that it's not going to be just about me. It has to be about the relationship I have with my crew, the relationship I have with the folks that are taking care of me in terms of how I drive. And I think Harry was pivotal in that growth for Cole.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he's a crew chief, by the way, a pit crew chief. Not Thank a- you. Not a, not a not coach. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> semantics are lost on
0: me. I just that's so okay. Like, no, just, racing, Aaron. Ruben's racing.
1: <laughs> no, Rubbin is not racing. <laughs> Absolutely not. Drafting is racing. Though. Drafting, Drafting is, racing. is racing. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I also love. Yeah, I love the teamwork thing that he learns, and he gets a good example of that, obviously modeled by the crew, when they have to push him to get him back on the lead lap. Another iconic great scene from this movie where the owner is out there helping push and they're like you can't do that that's illegal and he's yeah i can it's my engine in that car you know and then and, and that's my the, boys are pushing <laughs> the big whammy of like we didn't know where the engine came from until that moment and, and we get that revealed it's a beautiful scene if not a bit exaggerated probably from reality <laughs> as my, many are in these kind of films but that's why you like them what, what did you think about? Cole and Rowdy's relationship then. I guess that's the other major thing here in the movie to talk about because they're definitely rivals and they're both alphas, and this is so similar to a Maverick and Iceman situation. And there's even a great top gun scene where they're just passing each other back and forth on the track early on um, in the film and it makes it reminds me of some of the flying scenes that they do. I mean, heck, even the even the move he puts on, the slingshot maneuver, is very reminiscent of the hit the brakes and don't fly right by type of move he uses in the plane. But I digress. See, here, I can just find any reason to, at all to mention Top Gun. But with regards to his relationship with Rowdy, it's so much fun, I think, because of the fact that they – I don't feel like they become friends. And I like that. I like that they go from rivals to respectful competitors, in my opinion. They are able to grow to the point where they acknowledge the similarities within themselves. But they never really get to that point where it's like, hey, I need you to be my bro, right? I don't feel like and and i like that i don't i don't need the movie to go there because i've got his relationship with harry and i've got his relationship with claire and what we want is we want to see rowdy not die from getting in a car and having his injuries and for rowdy that's what i mean is it's not about friendship it's about trust it's about respect because he he says cole will you get in my car to do this thing for me i've I'm acknowledging I can't do it myself, but it's not because I think you are the greatest thing since sliced bread and I want to go hang out and spend all my free time with you. It's because I know you can drive this car and I'm finally going to admit that and you can help me and I'm willing to help you and I want to be able to see both of us flourish. I don't hate you anymore. It's really that's the the, the apex of it and I, I think that that's pretty cool. I also think it's really silly when they take rental cars on the beach and completely destroy them it is a fun scene mind you it is hilarious an absolutely hilarious scene especially the context of that scene because the nascar head or whatever is like you guys need to go to dinner you're gonna drive together so you spend time together so you guys can you know figure this out and then they take rental cars and literally like destroy them and race them and th- and it culminates in them sharing a moment by lying about how they got there and whatever. Having obviously. Car <laughs> yeah. Obviously. I mean, it's hilarious, right? It's obviously again, so completely stupid and exaggerated that, that this would take place. There's no cops chasing them and they're just legitimately like banging each other's rental cars to pieces. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's really fun. Um, and then you get that one really good moment, I think with Rowdy on the farm. And, and for me, I think my favorite line from him in the entire film, is there and he says something like, Growing up on the farm, what or growing up when I was on this farm, all I wanted to do was get off of it and race cars. And now that he's driving and racing cars, all he wants to do is work on the farm. And I just thought that was really simple and really profound and a way to show like that's oh, that happens to all of us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it. You don't have to be a famous race car driver, you could be you or me, but if you push for something long enough and you give it your everything and you drive yourself to get to a thing eventually you're going to want to stop and slow down and you're gonna you're gonna want to have some peace and enjoy letting go of that you know push and that that effort that you've been putting in and he's reached that point um, and i thought that was really good because he's it tells us like where his heart is And yet we get to see him still, even after that, consistently struggle with letting go and allowing himself to not be thought of as an invalid, you know, because he has so much pride in what he's accomplished. And so I just love it. I love how it ultimately is about them having that mutual respect for each other versus it's not really even about like a passing of the guard Anything like that. um And that is similar, like I said, to Val Kilmer, because in mm-hmm. Top Gun, that's just how it is with Iceman. Like they ultimately have respect for each other. You know, they'll go to war with each other. They'll trust each other when they're up there. But Maverick and Iceman aren't going out and going to be best buddies. You know what I mean? But they know that they share something that very few other people in the world can share and that that's important and special. Right. And sometimes I think having a Respected
0: rivalry feels more honest than having kind of a manufactured friendship, and I think that both of these guys have that. The former, I mean, they remind me a lot of Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, who were really earning our respect in Rush for what they, how they raced, because they both raced differently. Now that's not what's happening here. Colin Rowdy race essentially the same because that's what you do in a NASCAR track. You don't have really crazy maneuvers on a track that's going around in circles. But by the end of the movie, what we see is that mutual respect that you mentioned. And I really love Rowdy's character because when you see his involvement, you know that early on we get glimpses of him saying, I'm almost ready to hang it up, but I don't want to be told to hang it up. Like he wants to leave the sport on his own terms. He wants to build, he wants to settle down with his family and start a life, but he doesn't want to be told that now is the time to do that, which I think is really interesting because it would be a nice bow on the life of Rowdy Burns to say, yep, I've had my accident, I can't drive again, so I'm going to be satisfied with just doing exactly what I want. No, I think that alpha male still exists, and that's why we get that scene in the hospital where... He tells Cole, I need you to drive for me so that my sponsors can pick up my tab for the year. And then maybe, maybe I can get back in the race car. Like he's still thinking, yeah, this is still possible. Does he get back? We don't know. We're not really concerned by the end of the movie. We just know that we want Cole to race for him, to drive for him, because we trust their relationship just like they trust each other now. And of course, the hard part now is going to be convincing Harry to put him in that race car but I think that that speaks volumes about how Rowdy loves the sport. He knows it's getting close to time to do it, but he doesn't want to be made to do it. Like he wants to walk away. He doesn't want to be pushed out. And I think that that accident started a big push his way, which is why you get that ma- that great scene at his house where he's playing pool and Cole's trying to get him to recall trophies that he's won. He's the goodies packages and how many of these you you chew every day and then it ends with that that great moment where cole takes the bat and har- and hits the hits the pool table and says so we can fix you you can get your brain fixed in a hospital we can, or we can do it right here what's it gonna be and you think oh my gosh this is a best friend saying i love you and i care about you i think part of that is there but i also think he's trying to say rowdy look you've got to do this As a human being for your family, you need to get this taken care of. And was there love that they have for each other? I think, I think they do. I don't think it's best friend love like you have where people are going to hang out after work and say, Yep, you're going to be at my daughter's wedding, you know, giving her away because we're, we're that close. I think there's this weird kind of middle ground where they're not going to ever be best friends. But I think Cole's going to call rowdy every, every couple of weeks and check in on. I think he's going to go up to the farm and walk around with him. I think they're going to have that kind of relationship. And I think there's going to be some unspoken type of things that are between them where they don't talk about racing. They don't talk about the stuff that would probably trigger in either one of them. And it's nice to think about the fact that there's that relationship that exists out of respect and that love comes from that, that, but it doesn't have to be something where, everything is hunky-dory that they're just gonna they're gonna live with the fact that they appreciate and value one another's abilities and that's the common ground that they can they can stem from and i think that's genuine
1: do you think that they're gonna have any more wheelchair races
0: i hope so (laughs) cole needs to get hurt okay i think rowdy's gonna have a wheelchair earlier than cole just because he's gonna be working the farm and probably hurt himself more in his old age but if they have wheelchair races, it's going to be because of geriatric issues, not because of injuries. <laughs> going have, Cole's going to get his wheelchair and be like, Riley, let's go rubbing for the race. And, and I don't know, maybe that was kind yeah. of epic too. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, want, I want a wheelchair race with somebody. I just, it, it looks like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. It really does.
0: I, I tried can. to have one Aaron, when I had my leg injury, oh. I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. I was like, Anybody want to race me? I got this. Cause I couldn't, you know, I couldn't walk. So I was looking for people like, listen, can we just reenact a scene from Days of Thunder right now? Come on. I'll Beautiful. do it. I'll go. Beautiful. Try to get one of the nurses to do it and they wouldn't do it either, but they laughed at the fact that, <laughs> that, that I referenced that. And I said,
1: what else did I say? Rubens racing. Like how many people on a daily basis probably Tell them they want to do the Days of Thunder wheelchair race in their I hospitals. think I was alive at
0: the party. I think I was
1: alive at the party. I think I brought that originality to them. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to think I did. That's great. Um <laughs> Well, I could go on about Top Gun references. We could talk about how after he gets hurt, he disengages when he's in the race car and can't yeah. seem to drive, just like he can't seem to fly. We could talk about how he talks and tells us that he loves Harry talking in his ear Kind of like his little silent angel whispering to him, which is basically what he does when he's talking to goat or talking to ghost, talking to ghost goose, uh, in his flying, uh, up in the air when he's after the accidents already happened. So there's just so many references. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't really have anything else unless you do. I, I do want to point out that Carrie Ells, it's kind of fascinating to me how great of a villain he can make. He, like, <laughs> so <good. laughs> absolutely sleazy and i could just make i could say some really bad words uh to define him in this but yet you it takes a special person to be able to pull that off and then also pull off the character that he pulls off in like a princess bride as wesley right as this absolute hero ultimately um you know and he goes through moments but once we realize who he is and, and that he's you know buttercup's love and all of these things like the characters could not be more diametrically opposed, and yet he is amazing him in the saw series like he really does have this incredible range and i don't think he gets talked and then something like robin hood men in tights which is not my favorite movie in the world but the fact that he can pull off that level of comedy the guy is so talented and just does not get brought up i don't think in conversations when we talk about great actors and probably should yeah I think, I think you're right. And
0: I think that he's one of those actors that you're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. And, and there, there were several of those. I think John Malkovich was that early on because of the, his quirkiness and that he sort of made a name for himself. I personally love, this is kind of the, the Carrie L's factor. I love a C- Carrie L's performance when he's rocking the mustache. Those are the performances that I enjoy the most. Princess Bride, Days of Thunder, Men in Tights. It's fantastic. What I think is really interesting about him in this, in this movie. And I think it speaks volumes about sort of I, I took him seriously as a villain in terms of kind of a light villain, not like a heavy villain. I didn't ever want him to like die. But I love the fact that his car gets mangled by coal in victory lane. I think it's always fun to watch characters like him or villains like him in a Hardy's car. So I think that's what makes the sponsorship so hilarious is that If I'm Tony Scott and I want to create a villain out of this guy, I'm not going to put him in a car sponsored by Hardee's. But that's NASCAR. I mean, you're going to have some wackadoo kind of sponsorships. I also love the Mellow Yellow car. I think it's pretty fantastic. Um, And to me, that fits Cole. The black and the green and the yellow, that's kind of fun. Didn't like him in the City Chevrolet. Didn't really like him in Superflow either. Rowdy Burns, he's going to be my Exxon guy. But Kerry Ells, I think... He adds this level of mustache-twirling villainy that is fun for the movie. It gives Cole a a carrot for that stick of of getting through. Obviously, we we see him win. We love that moment. One of my favorite moments in the movie is when he he's struggling in the race, and then this crash happens, reminiscent of the crash that he and Rowdy had. He has these flashbacks he as he's going through. And then he, and then you hear, uh, you hear, uh, Harry say, I know it. I know it in my heart. You can do it. And he gets through and he goes, I'm through it, Harry. And then of course we get to the happy moments. But it's, it's at the end when how he's able to overcome that with, with Russ that I think gives us that little bit more satisfaction. He didn't just win. He also beat Russ Wheeler. And that's pretty fantastic. I will say this is one of the early, Hans Zimmer scores that I fell in love with I think this is probably one of those movies that I call the rock and roll Zimmer when it's not as epic it doesn't feel like this like dun 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 you know like pirates or gladiator or something like that this is like electric guitar and it just it fits the scene I mean this is a rock and roll movie and I want to say that this was A soundtrack I loved, but didn't know the composer until recently, like in the last five or six. I mean, I knew who it was, but it's like I loved the soundtrack, but didn't appreciate that it was Hans Zimmer until I went back and said, oh, man, he did this, too. This is fantastic. And it's got me thinking about possibly doing a little not challenge, but just kind of going through all the films that Zimmer scored directly. So Pirates doesn't doesn't. Land on that because yes, uh, Klaus Bedelt used his theme, but it wasn't Hans Zimmer actually scoring the movie. So things like Gladiator, Days of Thunder, I'm excited to see kind of what all Zimmer has had his hand in in terms of his composing. I know it's a lot, and I, uh, there might be some movies out there that I haven't seen yet. So I'm definitely gonna put those on the list first.
1: There are. I, I know there are because I've done something similar and I've never watched through his entire filmography personally, but it would be. Probably my choice as well as a for a composer for a first pick of a composer. I think it would be awesome because he's done some very non-traditional things. Like you think of the epic scores and the Nolan movies and the blockbusters, but there are some very different films that he's scored as well um, because he's had a super prolific career. And yeah, it would be really neat to kind of, especially some of those non-familiar ones the ones that we're used to and we listen to all the time like you know those but it would be cool to do check out some of the ones that maybe you're not you're oh that's Hans Zimmer and kind of go with those specifically as your focus but yeah it is a good score in this one as well. well that's all I got man I think that's it yeah
0: that's it for me too and I'm glad we finally got this recorded this was starting to become the Shawshank Redemption of of our show because we'd put it on the calendar and then something would happen, a movie would come out, and we'd be like, okay, we'll push it back a week. And I was like, we gotta get this. To be we fair,
1: gotta... this one lasted like a month and a half. Sure. Of a delay. Was, Shawshank I mean, was like
0: two years. No, no, I, yeah, I get it. I mean, you have the standard. Shawshank was the standard and it became the unicorn that we did not want to mess up. This one, not as high in terms of like, don't screw this up. But the longevity of putting it on the calendar and then continuously delaying it. I'm like, is this going to be our Christmas movie? Are we going to do this in November? What's going to happen here? But I'm glad we got to talk about it. And listeners, we hope you enjoyed listening. If you got comments, hit us up in the Facebook group. Let us know if you've seen this. If you haven't, why are you even listening to this episode? And if you have, what are your favorite moments? Do you believe that Rubin is racing like Cole does? Or are you like normal people who believe that it was just Tony Scott being fun? In the meantime, we hope you've enjoyed
1: the conversation. Aaron, I know I have, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.
0: We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group, A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way.
1: If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat.
0: And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments
1: so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive
0: and keep feeling filled.